All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I am recording this ahead of the week uh, in a time slot where I thought I would be recording a game about the Denver Nuggets and Brooklyn Nets. Uh, That game, as you probably already know, but just in case you didn't, uh, has been postponed. Uh, The Brooklyn Nets have been having a lot of COVID-related issues, health and safety protocol issues on their roster. Uh, Part of that may or may not have been Kyrie Irving uh, being reintroduced to the team despite being unvaccinated. And that seems like a potential problem of given that they have a health and safety protocol issue. And there's a lot of uh, positive tests going on right now in the NBA to COVID-19. However, uh, on Denver's side, they are okay. Uh, this is going to be fine. Uh, Denver they were getting ready to play Brooklyn. They were actually uh, – it was funny. Austin Rivers went on Instagram Live earlier today uh, from his hotel room and it was basically explaining Denver's process because I mean, he, he was bored. I mean, what else was he going to do? He stuck there. Uh, he was explaining Denver's process and their scouting report on Saturday and there were just so many players that they had no idea who they were. Uh, basically, it was just uh, – Cam Thomas, Patty Mills, Langston Galloway, and then that was about it. The Blake Griffin, I'm pretty sure, was was ready to go. But other than that, uh, Kyrie Irving obviously wouldn't have been able to play for a home game in Brooklyn, as we've already covered due to uh, New York's COVID rules. Uh, but he was in health and safety protocols anyway, so he would have been held out. Kevin Durant, James Harden, LaMarcus Aldridge, and several other Brooklyn Nets players, 10 off of last check, uh, were in health and safety protocols. And they had brought up a whole bunch of players due to hardship exception. They had the ability to do that in order to kind of fill out their roster. Shout out Kessler Edwards. Uh, But yeah, they uh, they just weren't able to field a roster. Or even if they were able to field a roster, it just wasn't going to be uh, legitimate, reasonable for them to be able to play a basketball game. And I know some Nuggets fans cried wolf on this. They're like, hey, what the hell? Had Denver had eight players available to play, they would have forced Denver to play. Uh, we aren't sure if they would have had eight players available to play. It, it, it isn't certain. I do think that they mostly postponed this game due to kind of the uh, realities of the situation that you don't want to try to force a whole bunch of hardship exception players onto the court if you can help it. And I don't have any problems with them doing this. It does make things more difficult for Denver at a later point in time. But am I going to say no to an extended break for the Nuggets going into the rest of the season? Uh, No, I am not. Uh, Denver, they basically flew on Saturday from Atlanta into Brooklyn. They were going to go there and they probably have a meeting at the hotel, get some rest, uh, and then kind of go through their game day procedures on Sunday. This way, they're, they're flying into Oklahoma City on tonight, I'm pretty sure, on Sunday. 
and they're going to just go about their normal process. They would have had Sunday off and Monday off, and I think they're in line to play on Wednesday. Or not Sunday off. They would have had Monday off. They would have had Tuesday off. Now they just get Sunday off, too. So four off days in a row for your Nuggets after they played on Friday against the Atlanta Hawks had one of their better wins of the season. They're off on Saturday, off on Sunday, though they did have to travel, and that does count. Uh, But they're off Monday and Tuesday before they have a back-to-back against the Oklahoma City Thunder in OKC on Wednesday. And then they come back for a game on Thursday against the Charlotte Hornets, who have been struggling of late. Uh, Their current record... As of me talking, is 500, but they're three and seven in their last ten, and they actually have one of the worst point differentials in the Eastern Conference. It's just ahead of Washington, who are at 13th, ahead of Detroit and Orlando. So Denver has an opportunity here, kind of given that this Brooklyn game isn't going to be played. They still have an opportunity to get some rest, but also potentially go on a little bit of a winning streak before they uh, go to the LA Clippers on the 26th after Christmas, and then they go to Golden State, uh, play at Chase Center, that cursed arena, on the 28th. So there are opportunities for Denver to get some rest, get some R&R, potentially get a a roster that is a lot more healthy, uh, potentially get Jamichael Green back into the fold. Hopefully he's feeling better and, and continues to kind of progress in the right direction on the court as well. Uh, it is too bad that we don't get to see uh, Bones Highland and see how he follows up his career high game in points, how Faku Campazo continues to progress in the right direction, in my opinion, as Denver has played faster with their bench unit. Uh, And of course, Nikola Jokic versus Kevin Durant. Uh, This would have been Denver's first game with a healthy Joker against another MVP candidate because they did face the Bucs. That was the last game that they had without Jokic. Uh, They weren't able to get that game and Giannis was able to do whatever he wanted. Uh, had he been defending Nikola Jokic, might have been a little different. That that game very well may have had a different outcome. Um, say lovey. Look, this is going to be an ongoing storyline for the NBA for a while. There were a, a boatload of rescheduled games due to COVID-19. The Brooklyn Nets actually had a Tuesday game rescheduled as well uh, or postponed. These games haven't been scheduled yet. It's going to probably be put into a weird time for Denver to have to come back to Brooklyn in order to play. Uh, I would expect that Denver, like Adam Mari said this on Twitter, and I tend to agree with him on, on several things, but this one in particular, that Denver will be in a position where they're going to have to make up this game, but it may be in a situation where it turns into four games in five nights or three games in a row, or five games in seven nights, and that wasn't supposed to be something that they had to do. And uh, it, it is what it is. Like This is going to hit the entire NBA. It's not just going to be Denver. Every team is going to have to deal with it. And if this means that Denver is more fresh for them to take on 
Oklahoma City and not drop that game. Charlotte and not drop that game. The Clippers after Christmas and not drop that game. Then it's worth it, in my opinion. I also think it's a good idea to delay games against teams like Brooklyn, teams like uh, Milwaukee, and teams like Golden State if Denver can help it because I think those games in the latter portions of the season when Denver is more healthy could really help Nikola Jokic's MVP case to repeat. He's on the fritz of it right now. And he's probably fourth place behind Steph, KD, and Giannis. But as Denver continues to creep up in the standings, we may have a different picture here. And getting to see Jokic go up against KD in a a game that will probably be prominently featured, that would be pretty cool. Hypothetically, let's say Jokic outperforms KD on national television. That's kind of a big storyline. And as long as Denver gets a win... That's a big deal. So we're just going to have to see. I am looking forward to seeing what goes on. Uh, But this podcast is going to kind of take a a different turn here. We're going to first go in this next segment where the Nuggets are at as a team. And then in the third segments, we're going to talk about the Grand Rapids gold. So stick around for that conversation if you're interested in hearing about what the hell's going on down in Grand Rapids. We'll be right back. But first... It's Christmas week at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA, and they have a gift that'll certainly put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they are victorious. That's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket if you know what I mean. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get in the Christmas spirit with the Holiday Free Bet Surprise, where everyone can get a free bet up to $50 instantly as DraftKings gives away up to $10 million in prizes. This is like a stocking stuffer. This is something where you don't know it's coming. You don't necessarily know when it's going to happen, but there is an opportunity for you if you sign up for DraftKings to get some free money here. That's pretty cool. DraftKings, they're safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet just $5 on any NBA team and win up to $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code MHS this Christmas week. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast where I try to put out content as frequently as I possibly can. And on weeks like these, where you get into the holiday season, it's my goal to give you a podcast that just in case you want to you take a break from the family where you, you get in on everybody or, or you just want to focus on basketball for a time being. And with Denver getting as interesting as they are, you might as well. 
Uh, I'm trying to put out as many episodes as I can, doing what I can for the Nuggets community, and uh, because I really enjoy this. So thank you so much if you do subscribe and just let me know what I can do. Let me know what I can do to help. All right, let us discuss where the Denver Nuggets are at as a franchise right now, where they're at as a team, and, and what's kind of going on, how Denver kind of looks right now, what's the what's the prognosis, and what we can expect going forward. Right now, they have a 15-14 and 14 record, sixth in the Western Conference. Right now, Suns are at one, Warriors are at two, Jazz are at three. There's a big gap there. At four, you've got the Memphis Grizzlies, who playing over their heads a little bit without John Morant, uh, it's not that I expect that to come down to earth. It's more that I kind of expect Denver to outpace what the what the Grizzlies are going to be doing going forward. I'm not sure about the other teams, but I do think that Denver can outpace Memphis. Uh, smaller gap there, where Memphis is 19 and 12, and then number five is the LA Clippers at 16 and 14. Denver at 15 and 14 is at six. The LA Lakers are percentage points behind Denver at 16 and 15. Minnesota's 15 and 15. They haven't played another game to match the Lakers. Uh, They are at eight and the Mavericks are at nine, but they are four and six in their last 10. I'm just going to say this right now. I think the T-Wolves are a better team than the Mavs. I think it's pretty clear a lot of the games that the Mavs have played lately have been without Luka Doncic. I'm not sure Luka is like, like he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's top tier A1, transcendent, top five player superstar right now. And I'm not sure he can get to that point under Jason Kidd with this current roster, whatever, like in the current shape he's in, whatever you, you, whatever you want to talk about with him. I think that there are problems with the Dallas Mavericks, and I would pick the Minnesota Timberwolves over them. Is it just because Anthony Edwards had 10 of 14 from three against Denver? That that probably has something to do with it. But I do think that they have one of those systems that if you don't have strong pick and roll defense, then they are going to kick your butt. So we're going to see. The Nuggets right now are 13th in offensive rating, 19th in defensive rating, and 16th in net rating. So they're basically an average team that right now is trending towards an an above-average offense, a below-average defense, and that's netting out to about neutral. And if you remember early in the season, that was kind of a script that was flipped, where Denver's defense was really carrying them while the offense was struggling, while the team was shooting kind of preposterously bad from the three-point line. And and Without Nikola Jokic on the floor, they were just awful on the offensive end. Now, one of those things hasn't really changed. Denver's still pretty awful on the offensive end without Nikola Jokic. But in their last 15 games, the offensive rating overall is up to 11th, and they're pretty close to 8th, just from what I'm looking at here. The defensive rating, it is still. Um, oh, nope. Let me, let me scroll down. Let me scroll down. Let me scroll down. Ooh, the defensive rating in the last 15 games, 29th, 29th in the NBA, just ahead of the, or not just ahead. The Charlotte Hornets are really, really freaking bad. Uh, but one of the things that's really stood out about this Nuggets team 
as they have trended towards trying to take care of their offensive issues is that the defense has really slipped. Nikola Jokic is spending a lot of time trying to pick up the pieces on the offensive end, and it's it's really hard to do that while also doing what he was doing early in the season as a rim protector, as a mover in the pick and roll, as somebody who was being very fundamental with his positioning on defense. I think just counting the first 15 or so games of the season, I think you, you could say that Jokic definitely deserves an all-defensive mention. Last 15 games, I, I definitely don't think you can say that. I think he's been subpar at best, kind of saved by the rebounding that he does, where he just kind of gobbles up every offensive and defensive rebound. Obviously, we're talking about the defensive end of the floor, so that's the only part that matters. But he is a great defensive rebounder, and Denver is a really, really good defensive rebounding team, captained by Jokic, of course. Um, but with the... like. You would have expected that Michael Porter being out, Jamal Murray being out, Denver would struggle on the offensive end. But Monte Morris, Will Barton to, to an extent, although he hasn't been great of late, uh, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, they've stepped up around Nikola Jokic, while players like Bones Highland and Faku Campazo and uh, even Zeke Naji have really picked up their game off the bench on the offensive end. They aren't great defenders, though. I think Aaron Gordon is a really good defender. I think that Jokic, when he when he really wants to be, is a really good defender. But other than that, it's just it's a mix of not great defenders. So with the effort that they've had to put in on the on the offensive end, I think the defense has really slipped. You can see Michael Malone being very frustrated. There are times where Denver just refuses to get stops at various points, and that is going to kind of really pull the rug out from under them in some of these games. They're going to have to figure that out eventually, but I do think that that is going to come around when Denver gets a little bit more healthy. And as they kind of stabilize with an easier strength of schedule in January and onward, they just have to survive through through December, which is one of the reasons why I'm okay with the Brooklyn game being postponed. Like, you don't want guys getting into COVID protocols. Like, Denver has mostly missed that. And that kind of takes me to uh, the, the basic questions surrounding the Nuggets right now. The first one I think that is the most important in the regular season is what does the health look like for all of these teams? Given the health and safety protocol stuff, health is very important. Availability is very important. I pointed this out on Twitter a few days ago that Golden State and Utah have had some of the best availability in the NBA, where the vast majority of their rotations have remained intact for every single game, or at least like 90% of the games that they play. And when you compare that to a team like Denver, where they've had guys in and out of the lineup, they've had players that they've decided should play versus shouldn't play, they've had injuries that take guys out permanently, that really hurts. And it's, it's really been terrible injury luck for Denver where they knew Murray would go out, but how could you know that Michael Porter would get hurt, PJ Dozier would get hurt, Marcus Howard would be out six plus weeks. You have to assume that Porter's out the whole year and you kind of plan for the worst, hope for the best on that front. But what I will say is that Denver's kind of mostly missed COVID protocols affecting their team. Knock on wood here. Like 
you don't want that to come back and bite you, which again is one of the reasons why I'm okay with them postponing games. Uh, there are players on Denver's injury reports in health and safety protocols. Bull Bull has been on there now twice. Um, Michael Porter's back on there somehow. Bones Highland, Austin Rivers were on there. But Nikola Jokic hasn't been on there. Monte Morris, Aaron Gordon, some of the other starters have not been on there. And, and that has really saved Denver, I think, from what could have been a really, really bad situation where there are some players that Denver just can't miss or else they are going to kind of crumple without the guys that they have due to injury or they, that they don't have due to injury. So they've got to stay healthy. They've got to stay out of the health and safety protocols. And it seems like they're one of the teams, again, knock on wood, that have mostly avoided that. We will see if that continues. I hope it does. I hope that every team can get out of health and safety protocol hell, but it has really swept the NBA over the course of these last few weeks. And I don't think it's going to get easier over the Christmas break. Now, the next basic question. How are players operating around Nikola Jokic? And the answer is pretty good. I think that the offense, 115.7 offensive rating with Jokic on the floor, that's elite. That's really, really good. Among the players that are playing the most in the NBA right now, that's comparable to guys like Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Giannis and, and players like that that are the elite offensive engines of their teams, of course. The defense is at 102.7 defensive rating, which it was better before. And Michael Porter's individual defensive rating, which was at like 95 or something absurd like that. I think you can see the difference between that and where Jokic's is and say, okay, there's, there's definitely a difference here. Um, Denver's really struggled kind of as they've had to uh, compensate on the offensive end, and the defense has suffered. But still, 102.7, it is a borderline elite number around Jokic, and I do think that there's there's a lot of factors to that. Aaron Gordon shares the floor with Jokic a lot. Uh, Monte Morris and Will Barton, while they are not the best defensive players, they are fundamental. They understand most of the time where they need to be, and they do their best to kind of uh, just continue to run the defense. And Davon Reed stepped in and did some good stuff. Jeff Green has stepped in and he hasn't been a negative defensively, that's for sure. Not sure he's been a positive, but I do think that he's just kind of been solid. Just a, a good role player on the defensive end who rotates, who gets the rebounds that come to him, and mostly just boxes out and, and does his job kind of cutting off his player from doing anything else. He also has taken six charges, which leads the team, by the way. I do want to point that out. I looked that up today. He is the team leader in charges taken at six. Faku Campazzo is second of five. So things are going well when Jokic is on the floor, and that, that is the vast majority of what Denver's minutes are going to be, which is why they have been good, but they've still been horrendous when Jokic is off the floor. Like They have a plus 13 net rating when Jokic is on and a minus 15 net rating when he's off. 
The offense is at a 100.3 offensive rating, which is just awful. And a lot of that, I think they're they're starting to figure it out. It's never going to be perfect, and I do think that they're going to go through some dry spells still. But one of the things that I mentioned in the first segment, Denver's learning how to play faster. They're learning how to speed things up when Jokic is off the floor. The pace gets a little bit better. And over the last, like, I'm, I'm going to look this number up, and, and I know that this is, again, not great podcasting uh, during this time, just because I, I do want to make sure that these numbers are found and that we can see just how important some of these factors can be. Over the last 15 games, um, Nicole Jokic has played, pretty sure it's nine of those, or if this would load, uh, Nikola Jokic has played 10 of those games. And the Nuggets are... Okay, this isn't loading. I'm, I'm doing my best here, but Denver plays faster when Jokic is off the floor. That's that's kind of a, a not surprising thing where they do their best to slow the game down. They play the half court when Jokic is out there. A lot of it is for his sake, where he can be out there for more possessions, or maybe the same number of possessions in a game, but it takes up more time in a game. I think that Denver, by managing the number of possessions he's out there on the floor, is doing a good job in keeping him healthy and keeping him fresh, not tiring him out a ton. The really bad things can can occur when a player is on the floor for 100 possessions in a game, and as opposed to their normal 70 or 75 or somewhere around there. That that kind of hurts a lot of players in the long term where they will struggle, they will tire, they will get hurt. Denver's going to be okay um, when Jokic is off the floor, though. I do think that this is some of this stuff is going to flip. The defense, which is a 115.5 with him off the floor, is probably not going to flip. That is really bad unless Denver adds a rim protector, unless they add a better perimeter defender in the second unit, then that's probably not going to really change. But the offense, I think, can get better. And one of the reasons is because when Jamal Murray comes back, Monte Morris is going to go back to the bench. And he actually shoots better uh, from three. He's shooting 53% from three when Jokic is off the floor versus 33% when he's on. Kind of a weird quirk in this team and, and kind of kind of what they're looking at here, but Morris has, has shot the ball really well in situations where he's either creating off the dribble for himself, running the fast break with his teammates. Uh, some of that stuff can can really work. And when Jamal Murray comes back, Monte Morris goes back to leading the bench. You can be a little bit more flexible, stagger Murray a little bit, play Bones in kind of a, a better situation than having to rely on him super hard right now. Uh, but as he improves, as the rest of the team sort of improves, they're going to find some units that work. And I do think that, like I said, Najee being a more mobile center has really helped speed up the unit where. He can space out the floor. He'll run the floor. He will switch, get out of people's way, let them get to the basket, let them drive the paint, because teams can't leave him, Zeke Naji, when he's out there. 
and that helps the drivers consistently get to the rim. The defense, though, as I mentioned, I'm 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 still concerned, and I'm, I'm even still concerned when Jokic is on the floor. Davon Reed getting back to this team helps, but he's on a hardship exception, and I can't just assume that he's going to be on the roster for the rest of the year. Uh, but Davon Reed will help Denver when Jokic is on the bench. Um, however, the the real problem is the rim protection. With Jokic off the floor, it's non-existent. Five feet away from the basket or closer, uh, when Jokic is on the floor, opponents shoot 65.8% within five feet. That is a really atrocious number, and that's when Jokic is on. Overall for the team, they shoot 67.4%. So it's actually worse when Jokic is off versus when Jokic is on. That's because Jamichael Green just hasn't really been a good rim protector. There's nobody else to really fill that role. And Denver's bench defenders, when they're on the bench especially, like Will Barton when he staggers with the bench, becomes a much worse defender for some reason than he is when he's with the starters. Um, those guys really, really struggle in those situations. And unless Denver goes and gets a seven-footer, unless they go and get better perimeter defenders that can prevent the number of rim attempts, or maybe make them just 10% more difficult, uh, it's kind of going to compromise everything. And I do have concerns that Jokic, he's not going to play 40 minutes of great defense every single game in the playoffs. And it's going to take great defense for him to really slow down teams like Utah and Golden State and Phoenix the great perimeter attacks with their guards that can really drive the rim and move the ball well and create open shots by not having to work too hard while also making the defense just struggle half to L. Um, I do think that Denver could be in trouble here. I think that they should be looking at defensive improvements to their rotation as they continue to go through this year. If they feel like Jamal Murray is going to come back, and they feel like he can provide a major impact, though, you just got to do it. You just got to pay the piper in some of these situations where you can find a solution and just pay for it if it costs. That's how I view this thing. Don't think you can waste a Jokic season like this one, even with Porter on the pine, even with Murray coming back and maybe not being the same. You just never know. You don't, want to, you don't want to waste an opportunity. So go get somebody who can help you now and into the future. That is my, my general sentiment here. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the Grand Rapids Gold and how they are kind of changing the way the Nuggets do business. We'll be right back. Back here, Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll probably have a guest over these next couple days just to kind of break up what is what is going to be a difficult time for Nuggets fans where 
oh man, you haven't seen the team in a while. You haven't you haven't played any games in a while. It's going to be very interesting to think about. Uh, but for now, this is a good time, I think, to really check in on the Grand Rapids Gold and what they are doing as a team, as a franchise, that I think is very interesting. That I think, uh, obviously, basketball operations controlled by the Nuggets. And I do think that it's kind of interesting to think about how certain teams approach these seasons, approach these approach these opportunities for their G League teams, where it may not necessarily matter the wins and losses, at least for some, but can also really affect the professional careers for a lot of people, for a lot of teams. Uh, as of now, the Grand Rapids Gold are an average team. They've played 11 games on ProBallers.com. They're 5-6. and six. Uh, Average. Not necessarily doing a whole bunch in the, in the wins and losses column, but you hear a lot of great things from a lot of people about the Grand Rapids Gold. And the big reason is because Jason Terry, a coach, a former player, a former legend, has really, I think, made this a great opportunity for veterans to feel comfortable to have an opportunity to showcase themselves and know that they're going to be treated well. The first three players to really do this were Lance Stevenson, Nick Stauskas, and Davon Reed. They're the initial players to headline Denver's roster. And already you could see, wow, former NBA players, Lance Stevenson, Nick Stauskas, they made waves not just in Denver, but kind of around the NBA. Lance Stevenson, that's a, that's a big name. And then they start playing and they play pretty well. And one guy who plays really well is Davon Reed, and he gets called up. He fills a role in Denver via a hardship exception, makes a, such a good impression in his time, so much so that he gets called back. That was made official today on Sunday. This 10-day contract is probably going to last through the Warriors game on December 28th in Golden State. So he's going to have an opportunity to play, maybe not this game, but against Oklahoma City on Wednesday, Charlotte on Thursday. I think Denver has a couple days off, and then they play on Sunday, uh, December 26th against the LA Clippers, and then he'll have another opportunity to play on the 28th. So he'll play four games, was going to play five, but will probably play four. And Denver's going to use him just like they used him last time. And he filled a role for Denver, and you like to see guys fill a role and learn from the G League experience that this is going to be an opportunity for them to really break through into the NBA if they do it right. And Davon Reed getting a second opportunity is really cool. But like I said, veterans, they feel comfortable. They have an opportunity to showcase themselves. Lance Stevenson has played well in the G League. Nick Stauskas has played well in the G League. All these guys are showing out. They're doing well. And now in the G League showcase uh, for this season, Denver's had a lot of guys that have kind of come through. Former NBA players now that have seen what Denver has done and are trying to use this as an opportunity to get back into the NBA. And the first one after the initial three is Isaiah Thomas. And Denver has a previous relationship with Thomas. He came in 
for the 2018-19 season, where after he played with the Cleveland Cavaliers, after being traded from the Boston Celtics, basically sat out the first three, three and a half months of the year in 2018-19. was next to Michael Porter Jr. Uh, there was another guy who was out on that year as well. Um, but when he came back, Denver had already established, okay, Jamal Murray's the starting point guard, but Monte Morris, that was his first year of being the backup point guard, and he was really, really good. And Denver knew that that was a guy that they wanted to go with, but they decided to go with Isaiah Thomas, try to work him in. Clearly, it didn't work. Denver's bench unit with Isaiah Thomas out there was not good. And so that ultimately didn't work, but the the relationships were clearly still there with Tim Connolly and Michael Malone and everybody like that. And they give Isaiah Thomas an opportunity to kind of work himself back into the G League from the Denver Nuggets or the NBA from the Denver Nuggets G League team, excuse me. And he comes in, plays 43 out of 48 minutes, or maybe it was an overtime game, so it was 53, but I can't remember. And he puts up 42 points. 42 points in one game where he shot the ball, I think, 28 times, something absurd like that. But he was playing so well and clearly showed that he had NBA talent. And it took exactly one game, one magical 42-point game, before the Lakers called him up via hardship exception, kind of like what Davon Reed did for Denver. Isaiah Thomas got that call for the Lakers, and tonight he started in their game next to Russell Westbrook. Now they lost, but I do think that kind of makes some sense for him to be on a team like that where got a lot of veterans. They all care about uh, who was really good and they're trying to make that work as well as possible. And it would surprise me, or no, it wouldn't surprise me if Isaiah Thomas was on the Lakers for the entire year as they convert his hardship, hardship exception into something longer term. But it doesn't end there because Mario Chalmers, former Miami Heat two-time champion, played with LeBron James, played with Dwayne Wade. Uh, He was there as well. He signs with Denver to play in the G League Showcase, as does former Minnesota Timberwolves player Shabazz Muhammad, who at 6'6", 6'7"-ish, forward, versatile scorer type, Maybe a little bit more of a, a fundamental kind of stationary shooter right now who can guard some of your bigger players. Uh, both of those guys, they have designs on returning to the NBA. And Mario Chalmers, I'm pretty sure, had a pretty good game today. Shabazz Muhammad didn't, but it doesn't always work the first time for everybody and just got to figure that out. But I do think it's very interesting that Denver's finding themselves in these positions now where they are being sought out to fill some of these roles for players that were former NBA guys that want to break back in. And Jason Terry understands that. He knows how to be a veteran in the NBA and had one of the longest careers in NBA history. And now he's coaching a G League team and he's not going to be there for long, to be clear. Like, I do think that He's probably going to be on an NBA staff as an assistant coach at some point soon. Maybe it's with Denver. Maybe it's with somebody else. But I do think that he's going to take that opportunity, showcase that he's good at his job, 
and then latch on somewhere with a team that he has a previous relationship with or a coach that he has a previous relationship with. Denver may not have thought that they were going to be a G League kind of stomping ground for former star type players and just like starter or high quality or high caliber, star caliber kind of players that were in the limelight. Uh, they probably thought that they were going to play Bones Highland in the G League, Marcus Howard, Bull Bull. Thought that they would be in Grand Rapids, Michigan. But injuries, Bones being kind of necessary for the start or for the rotation, and then health and safety protocols. I think they've really changed Denver's vision on how they want to use this thing, on how they want to use the G League to their advantage, and you can use it in a variety of different ways. A lot of it is about player development, especially with young players, understanding concepts, understanding how that works. But there are other ways, and one of them is to gain a pretty strong reputation around the league. You can do that with player agents. You can give veterans the experience that they need. You can be a team that gives fans a great experience in Grand Rapids, Michigan, because they know that they're going to see some of these great former NBA players, and they're going to be very talented, show off a little bit as their their skill sets kind of like are graduating above G League standard. And then they know that they're going to have an opportunity to see those guys before they ultimately transition back to the NBA. I think it's pretty cool. And given that this is first year of the Nuggets having a G League team, I think that they've navigated these difficult waters pretty well. It's not like they didn't have a good opportunity here. Like having a first round pick that was just too good for the G League environment, or maybe even if he wasn't, like Bones has just been too necessary for what the Nuggets are doing. Most teams, like hypothetically, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, their 28th pick. Jaden Springer was somebody that I wanted in Denver. Really young player, really raw player, but somebody who I think could really be helpful on the defensive end. He's somebody that's been down in the G League for the Philadelphia team a while. Had Denver drafted Jaden Springer, then maybe he would be in the G League, just seasoning, doing everything that he could uh, to get better and play within the system and learn the player development stuff rather than necessarily being at the NBA level immediately. That's how it normally goes with a lot of these teams. Denver's approaching it in a different way because they have to, because they have the opportunity to. And Jason Terry being around, I think that's really helped this Nuggets group. And I hope that continues. I hope that he sticks around, but I don't expect it, like I said. Either way, though, it's made for a really entertaining watch. It's made for an entertaining kind of view from an outside perspective. I don't necessarily follow the Grand Rapids Gold that closely, but I do know that they're doing some good things. I've talked to people both inside and outside Denver's organization that have really been pretty glowing on how Denver has handled that experience and how they're going to continue calling up guys like Davon Reed. You might see Nick Stauskas or Lance Stevenson or uh, Georgie Bazanishvili get a hardship exception call up at various points now. 
because Denver's going to have, or they're probably going to have opportunities for guys going forward throughout this year. Depending on the injury situation, depending on health and safety, you're probably going to have guys that go out. And then you're going to have a G League, a G League roster that's full of players that can step in and provide role player minutes. What that looks like, who that is, remains to be seen. But I do think that this has been a successful G League season for Denver to start, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. And now, that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love. Let me know who you want me to have on for this podcast that I, that I plan on doing either Monday night or Tuesday night. If you're listening to this part right now, uh, let me know who you think that I should be bringing on. Thank you so much, everybody. Talk to you guys very soon. Thank you.